We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw. Need some extensions get done, keep some homegrown players. Yeah, I'll leave that up to Jed. Um, obviously, uh, yeah, we we we, um, we have a couple guys that we, we'd love to extend, but but you know, I also you know if, if if it doesn't work out, that's okay too. I appreciate that they you know they um, would rather test the market, but I don't know. It's it's uh, it's up to Jed, but it'd be great because uh, you know not only some of the guys that we you know consider extending we know them as players but we also know them as people and the kind of people you want to be around and you want in your clubhouse <laughs> welcome back to inside the clubhouse chicago sports radio 670 the score david hall bruce What's levine so funny? until 11 so o'clock funny, suppressing Mr. my laughter look bruce tom ricketts addressed the team and then the media earlier in the week if you are a fan of ian happ or nico horner let's just say Getting their contract extensions done did not sound like it was a it was a point of urgency for Tom Ricketts. It doesn't sound like he's having a hard time sleeping at night wondering, oh gee, will we be able to lock up Ian Happ long term or Nico Horner? What will we do without them? No, that's not what I heard at all. Well, look, I I'm a big fan of Ian Happ. Uh, he's an interesting guy as well as proving to be a really good ball player. I'd like to see him do it one more time, wouldn't you, David? Yeah, I, I think mean, that's uh, fair. That that that's fair. I, I I understand that. Coming off an all-star season, though, I I think his camp would have have liked to have gotten something done to take advantage of that this off-season, and maybe they still can, Bruce. But it didn't sound like a priority for the Cubs. Well, the poor guy's going to make ten million bucks, David. Uh, he's just going to have to get by. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how he's going to get through this year. Uh, I think if we start, uh, you know, a, 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 a fund for him, you know, go fund me page. Yeah, yeah I, that, that would be. But no, I, and, and, I, and I'm kidding because I do like the way that he his career is gone now. I do like what he did last year to make himself a better ball player, a better hitter from the right side, a line drive hitter, a, a defensive player of note, winning a gold glove. Um, but again, I'm not jumping into seven years at uh you know 20 million dollars for uh for him at this point until i see it a second time i think that's smart bruce and let me let me separate the the two my amusement was in ricketts reaction my feeling and opinion on on what they should do is wait because you talk about the cubs farm system they're loaded in the outfield p crow armstrong is catching fly balls behind his back you go on the Marquee Sports Network. Check that out. If you go to the Twitter machine and check that out. That would be worth your time. Brennan Davis is on the way. El Cantara is a guy that I think is the highest rated uh, or one of the more highly rated prospects out there. They have options beyond Ian Happ this season, and you wonder how many holes they'll have to fill. Let's wait and see. So I do think that waiting would be appropriate. With Nico Horner, I would have a different opinion, even though they'd have similar Similarly, highly rated prospects in the middle infield. 
I think he might be a guy you're more likely to keep than Ian Happ. If I were going to pick one of the two, it might be Horner. Sure. And again, last year was the first time that Nico Horner played a full season. Okay. Uh, you know, again, it's not his fault that he got injured, but the reality is, you know, what type of player is he going to be? It's probably to his benefit in reality to just play out this year. He might be a lot more than they think he is at this point in time next year. So might, might, you know, he's got two more years left of arbitration after this uh, first year that he's uh, dealing with. So from, from all that, I think that's, you know, you know, appropriate comments, but I think what what I heard from Tom was, and, and the, I guess the underlying story of this segment is that um, he's okay with guys coming and going at this point. Um, they're going to be a better team, but I haven't heard a world championship team yet. So I don't think he's expecting this team to be anything more than a very good team contending for a division. Cup Spring Training coverage on the score, sponsored by Sloan, the official water efficiency partner of the Chicago Cubs. Bruce, that's interesting. My takeaway from what Tom Ricketts had to say might, might not be entirely what you just described as much as it was a willingness to spend if they reward the kind of confidence and reward the kind of spending they just did in the offseason. And if they're at the deadline and they're a couple games back or they can convince themselves, you know what, our pitching is going to hold up, our hitting – is going to find a way to manufacture runs even without a, a proven power hitter that will go out and maybe buy somebody instead of selling. And Tom Rick is talking about spending and leaving room between where they are now as the ninth highest payroll in baseball and the competitive balance tax was interesting because it gives people hope that, you know what, even though they spent over $300 million this offseason, if they're in contention in July, they'll spend more to maybe put themselves in a position to make the postseason. Yeah, not so sure about it. You have more than half of the starting players. <laughs> Did you just yeah, me? Did you just yeah, well, totally I, I dismiss just, that? Look at look at the starting players on the team. Okay, you got a left fielder that's in a walk year. You have a center fielder that's in a walk year. You have a first baseman that's in a walk year. You have a catcher that's in a walk year. Okay, so so what what do we really have here right now? We have good players who are expected to help this team contend, which is a really good idea. In the meantime, the Cub Farm System expects to produce and get some of those players up to the major league level and ready to compete for 2023 at the end and 2024. So I, I think, uh, you know, again, the product that we see on the field here is not going to be reminiscent to what we see in 2025. I'm skipping 2024. Maybe some of the players will still be there. But uh, this is uh, a championship team still in the making uh, a couple years away. I don't think they're a championship team this year. I think they could max out by being a wild card team. I also think that you look at the balanced schedule, they're not going to have, they're going to be playing other teams that that might end up benefiting the Cubs more than we think. I, it's, it's the end of February, Bruce. I'm a little more optimistic about them contending, competing, being above 500. Well, I, 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 I would take the that. over on the Cubs. I win think total I, this I season. agree. I think they can be at that level. I'm just saying this group is not the sustainable group that you're looking for for the future, David. This is a group of good ball players that they brought in, and it's a step up from where they were last year when they surprised people by 
being as good as they were the last 70 games of the year and finishing over 500. But um, it's it's not a it, it, you know it reminds me a little bit of the 1989 Cubs, although that team had rookies and young players that were coming up through the system and starting to make an impact with Grace and Girardi and Walton and Smith. Uh, it, certainly it wasn't sustainable, but it was a $11 million payroll, the lowest in the National League, that went on to win a division that year. This is the type of team, I think, that could be a surprise and be up there contending toward the end of the year if everything goes right. Uh, I so, like that historical comp. I, I, all I'm saying, Bruce, and not getting over my skis here, is that in investing $300 million in free agents, the Cubs bought themselves some time this year to be competitive to the point where we all realize because we look at their farm system, the way they develop these prospects and what their timetables are respectively, that next year could be a season. You see a lot of these guys coming up and taking over. I think they've bought themselves some time by spending intelligently in free agency to make themselves more competitive than maybe people thought they would be in 2023. Yeah, on paper, I agree with you. You know, they got to go out there and stay healthy and prove it. I think they they have a chance, but I, I certainly like their chances more going into this year. And and I don't think uh, the Cardinals are a good team. I'm not I'm not super impressed by their rotation. Uh, I'm 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 not. I don't think they're going to win as many games as they did last year. Uh, Milwaukee has an outstanding uh, rotation. I, I'm not super impressed by their offense. I don't think St. Louis and Milwaukee did a, a, a heck of a lot in the offseason to separate the Cubs from them. I think the Cubs took a step up toward them. As to how far, we'll see how the season progresses. But I, I agree with you that this is a better team. It should be a more competitive team, but not a sustainable team at this point in time. All right, Bruce, there's a couple things I want to get your opinion on before we move on during this Cubs segment. First of all, with Seiya Suzuki talking to the media, not going to focus on the 25 pounds of muscle that he looks like he brought back. He's in the best shape of his life, too. Goodness sakes, he looks like he's cut. He could play cornerback for the Bears, but I digress. He was very uh, funny in talking about his willingness to recruit his World Baseball Classic teammate, Shohei Otani. He's, he is inviting him. <laughs> he is inviting him, Bruce. We know what that means. This season, besides putting themselves in the position to contend, allows Tom Ricketts a chance to save. That half a billion dollar free agent could be out there. Shohei Otani, future Cub, or is that nonsense? Uh, I'm not that crazy about the player, to be, tell you the truth. I mean, he's... he's <laughs> He's a, he's a great pitcher. He's a great hitter. Um, you know, make up your mind. W what are you going to be? You're going to be a hitter or you're going to be a pitcher? Uh, honestly, uh, I don't Bruce, think, look, honestly, I didn't have to decide. I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. He's a great player. He's a fantastic story. I'm not investing $500 million in any player. So uh, I don't care if, if Ruth came back. Not giving him that money right now, okay? Wow. Uh, I, I, if he's a difference maker for the Chicago Cubs at this time next year, okay, it might be a consideration. I, I just don't think that's really the piece that they're looking for at this point in time. I think he goes to a West Coast team or the or the Mets or the Yankees. I, I don't think it's I don't think he's Chicago bound, as our segment always says. 
for a Suzuki. Uh, would the Cubs consider it? Would Tom Ricketts have the money to pay him? Yes and yes. But um, I, I just don't see him in the equation next year at this time. As Sean Sears points out, the Cubs were the runners-up to the Angels, from what we understand, and now they has another reason uh, to come here because of Seiya Suzuki. But you're right, Bruce. I will. I will. There's plenty of Chicago-bound segments that between now and free agency we can continue to speculate, and you can continue to dismiss me as you have twice now in this segment. But who's keeping score? Let's get to another thing. I want your opinion on. We heard from David Ross, who was on the Mullion Haw show Friday morning. Zach was filling in for me. Great interview with Mully and Zach from the manager of the Chicago Cubs. And, of course, because of Wilson Contreras being part of the Cardinals now and having the Ken Rosenthal story in The Athletic last weekend about the rift that could have been between David Ross and Wilson Contreras leading to the reason the Cubs let him go, David Ross... We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I was asked about that report. Yeah, I mean, I, I read that article. Somebody sent me that. You know, I don't think that... There's much. I didn't see any facts in there that, that Ken wrote, and I respect Ken's ability and, and what he's done in this game. But um, I love Wilson. I, I don't have any bad things to say about Wilson. Um, and I would, you know, as a former catcher, I would I would give real pause to anybody questioning game calling and preparation. Um, unless you've caught, um, you should never be commenting on those things. I, I think Wilson's a championship-caliber catcher. That's why uh, he got such a big contract, I think, uh, the industry showed you what kind of worth he has. And, you know, he's a brother for life for me, World Series brother. I don't have any negative things to say about Wilson. That guy went out every single day and played hard, um, played for this organization extremely hard, was a part of a lot of winning here. So, um, you know, without bashing anybody that, that writes stuff, you know, I didn't I didn't see anything in that, that article that would, would give any, um, you know, credibility to that you know like you said anonymous stuff and, right. and and no factual stuff Wilson Wilson's a really good player and you know what three-time all-stars only a couple of those in Chicago Cubs history um, I think the frustration on my end always comes with losing and trying to find ways to do that so that's probably all I have to say about that David Ross pushes back Bruce a little surprised that he went that route in terms of well if you haven't caught you might not be willing to, to comment but I know what he was saying and he was certainly denying any rift with Wilson Contreras. Well, look, the, the, the Chicago Cubs front office did not offer Wilson Contreras a contract uh, after 2018. They offered him a five-year deal at about 35 to $40 million a year at that time, okay? He decided he wasn't interested in that. There was never an offer after that. So laying this on David Ross, 
who showed up in 2020 would probably not be uh, accurate. I think it's more a front office and a metrics decision that uh, this is not their catcher of the future. This is not the guy that they want putting the fingers down, uh, calling, uh, calling games for them. He was just not their type. I don't think, I think you can have both, David. I think you can have the Cubs say he wasn't the one for us in the future, and the Cubs saying that he's a, been a really good catcher for us, an important catcher for us, but not what we want for the future. So that's the message I got all along. That's the message Wilson Contreras got all along. I don't know about a riff with David Ross. I think David Ross probably uh, uh, thinks, you know, that the same way that the front office does. When he got hired in 2020, they probably said, hey, you know what, uh, Wilson's our catcher right now. It probably won't be for the future. And I think Ross had that in mind all the way through until I, last year when he didn't sign again. I still think they're going to regret letting him go. I understand that David Ross, why he would push back at that notion. But it remains to me a mystery. Every time that you look at, as, as Sean points out as well, last year you hear from Cub pitchers and, they're talking about how great of a receiver Jan Gomes was, how much they love throwing to Jan Gomes. Hey, what do you think about Wilson Contreras and his framing? Boy, that Jan Gomes, he sure can catch. I mean, it was almost like the, it was hard to find people complimentary of him being a receiver. Nobody's going to doubt his offensive talents because they were obvious and the numbers speak for themselves, Bruce. But I think that was, you read between the lines, there was maybe more to it than, than meets the eye. Certainly, I just don't, I don't think I'll ever understand it. And I think they Here's will regret the, it. Here's the one area that they're going to really miss Wilson Contreras more than any. Not the home run bat, not the energy he brings, but the fact that he's one of the best back pickers in the game. And now that we do not, uh, we, we have situations where the pitcher can only throw to first base twice before the third time, and, and it's, a, it's an automatic balk if you do and the guy goes to second base. Back picking becomes a major art form uh, for defenses going into this season. Bruce, that's a great point, and I think that's what they may miss as much as anything. All right, last thing on the Cubs, because this was a very – I don't know how I feel about your your thought and if I agree with you or not. I think I disagree with you, but Christopher Morrell and his status on this team, his role for the Cubs, and what to expect after a breakout 2022 rookie season – you're not totally sold that he's going to have the kind of success in 2023 that allows him to stay in Chicago all season long. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I don't see a spot for him, honestly. Here's a young 24-year-old kid who showed uh, you know, a good power bat early on. The league caught up to him the last month and a half of the season. Uh, struck out 137 times in 425 at-bats. Uh, needs to play every single day, okay? So for me... You know, if this guy was just a 28-year-old guy starting to get it together, 29, I'd say, yeah, keep him on the bench, and you're ready to go. Here, you got you got Rios and you got um, um, Wisdom at third base. You have uh, two guys at first base. Your outfield is expected to play every day veteran players uh, with Suzuki, Bellinger, and Hold up. Hab. Hold up. Yeah. Rios and Wisdom at third base? Yeah. Rios, yeah, the new guy, the new guy that yeah. got like five minutes ago. He's he's, oh, yeah. he's he's more in the mix than Christopher Morrell, who With, showed without you without question, without question. Help help me understand that. 
talk to me like I'm a fifth take grader. A, take a look at his history. Take a look at the left-handed bat and understand that it's a left-handed game and that this guy has power. I think, uh, I think you'll see that over a period of years and, and sporadic games because of injuries and not playing on a Dodger team that was loaded, this guy has a world of possibility of having a big offensive OPS bat. And I think he will be somehow segued in with wisdom to playing third base. I think he can play first base. He can DH. I think that left-handed bat is going to play for the Chicago Cubs. So wow. from that perspective, uh, that's, that's what I'm seeing with Rios coming over to the Chicago Cubs. Remember, he was on the most loaded team in baseball when it came to talent with the Los Angeles Dodgers. If he was on any other team in baseball, he would have had a lot more at-bats and got to, got to uh, play more. Uh, the Cubs really did their homework. They really did a good job in bringing in Rios. Nick Madrigal, does he fit into the mix? He gets a lot of attention, Bruce, because of his draft status and status as a former White Sox player as well in that Kimbrel trade. You didn't mention him. Yeah, well, look, uh, from all indications, he's taken to third base well, better than they thought, uh, able to make the throw, which is a, was a question mark, whether he was short arm at the third base from, from third to first. Uh, again, he's one injury away from being a starting middle infielder, right? If something happens to Horner, right? If something happens to Swanson, Nick Madrigal's your starting second baseman. Yeah, that's a you good know? point. I mean, Let's hope that, I mean, that that doesn't happen because Dansby Swanson and Nico Horner are going to have an Ironman contest to see who can play right. more games this year. I think I'm taking the over at 155, right. and I'll, I'll go with Swanson. Look, David, the, the one thing that we always forget as baseball fans at the beginning of the year, we look at – baseball spring training like it's a video game here's our team this is how they're going to set up opening day it never happens because of injury and all kinds of different other things but injury plays a huge part in this and the fact that guys don't play full seasons anymore uh, that people are looked at as you know quasi starting players a lot of times in major league baseball you have to have depth depth and i think the, the cubs did a really nice job of addressing that this offseason. Thank you for my weekly Cubby reality check, Bruce. I needed it, I think, this week more than others. We're going to switch gears. We're going to go You're to welcome, Glendale, man. Camelback Ranch. Lamont Pope covers the White Sox for the Chicago Tribune. He joins us next on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw. Yeah, there's definitely uh, you know a lot of new names and uh, new faces and and, um, you know, th things are definitely being run differently. Um, so far, it's been very organized. Um, and, you know, really, we're kind of just get in, get our work, and get out. So uh, it's, it's been good so far. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the score. David Hall, Bruce Levine, until 11 o'clock. Thank you to MLB tonight for that audio. We're talking White Sox, and with time now to go out to our guest hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Home of the world's largest sports book, and that's where we find the fine beat writer for the Chicago Tribune, Lamont Pope, covers the Sox. Good morning, Lamont. How are you? Good morning, fellas. I'm doing well. Thanks for joining us this morning. It has been a very newsy time <laughs> at the Camelback Ranch. And I, from Mike Clevenger to Tim Manderson, a lot of controversy, Lamont. How would you describe the first 10 days or so 
of Sox camp and what uh, what has transpired since then? Yeah, I mean they've definitely kept us busy. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean it's been it's been a situation where you know entering camp obviously with a new manager and a largely uh, new coaching staff. I mean that, that was one of the things that I was most looking for, just to seeing how uh, Pedro ran things on a day to day basis. And so far, it's been one of those situations where they had the kind of like those first five days with the pitchers and catchers, and then the, in the next five days with the uh, position players arriving and now we're getting ready with the uh, first Cactus League game. And so, you know, it, it's just been those steps of trying to implement uh, what they want to get done as far as getting things taught and also trying to uh, keep everyone healthy. That's one thing that we asked uh, Pedro about yesterday. You know, just uh, obviously it's been uh, such a huge story uh, most of last season, uh, you know, starting with spring training with Lynn and with Crochet getting hurt. But being able to keep those guys healthy, being able to keep everyone healthy so far, that's been, a, that's been one of the positives so far coming out of camp. Well, Mon, thanks for joining us. David and I were talking earlier about um, the WBC and all these players who were injured last year going to the uh, WC, WBC and playing for their respective com- uh, countries. So from your perspective, what has been the vibe like about them going there and the, the fact that you know, injury and being under other coaches and managers uh, and, and having to ramp up their game quicker than they normally would in spring training uh, could be a, a side story all spring long while this tournament goes on. Yeah, Bruce, I mean, one of the things that uh, both Pedro and uh, Rick kind of talked about is, you know, from that one standpoint, yeah, you, you know, first camp, you would like to have everyone uh, around so they can kind of all be on the same page from that perspective. But they, they, they take a look at that larger picture as well and knowing that, you know, this is something that's uh, bigger than the white one particular team. This is for, you know, these guys want to play for their respective countries and represent their respective countries and have that opportunity. And so you're going to get an opportunity out of it. Uh, out of the gate to see so many of these guys play a little bit more, I think, in these spring, early spring training games because they're going to be gone uh, to to whatever country they're going to be uh, playing for. And so you might see a lineup on a day-to-day basis where you know you might see Tim and Luis and Mancada and Eloy. They they might get a little more playing time in these in these this first couple of games because uh, a situation where they're going to be going and they're going to be gone. They're not only ramping up for. Uh, the WBC, but also having the opportunity to kind of get their feet wet uh, playing with the White Sox as well. And then same thing with Lynn. You know, obviously Lance is starting uh, today. Uh, you know, he, he's going to probably go two or three innings, and part of that's because he's, he was here early, getting ramped up, not only for the season, but also for the WBC. And so they're taking a look at it from that perspective. You know, it's an opportunity uh, to get these guys a little more game experience right off the gate, right out of the gate, uh, and, and then see what they're kind of made up and able to do uh, leading on into the WBC. Yeah, to your point, uh, I think there's six starting players in the lineup today in uh, Pedro Gafal's first uh, lineup out there that are projected at six or seven that are projected to be everyday players. You never see that the first day of spring training if it's not WBC. So a point well taken on your part. I, I just uh, I'm just nervous that when you ramp guys up in February to play every day, um, you know, you are really kind of rolling the dice toward the beginning of the year and, uh, you know, whether or not they're too ready to start the season. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely that balance, right? I mean, there's, there's a number of guys that they've talked about, uh, you know, coming on into camp and getting a lot of work on it. Because obviously last year with uh, the lockout, uh, not having the opportunity to kind of uh, keep tabs on a number of those guys, one of the advantages this offseason has been, you know, since, since everything was taken care of from that perspective, having a chance to sort of monitor uh, the guys all offseason long and to a point where, you know, guy, maybe a guy like uh, Grandall or a guy like G. Lito, guys that are, you know, those guys aren't particularly going to WBC, but, but you know, they've had the chance to kind of monitor them, and they're like to the point where they're going to have to kind of taper off a little bit because of some of the work that they've been able to do during the off season. So it's a balance for sure, trying to make sure that uh, the guys are ramped on up enough to play for the World Baseball Classic, but also wanting to keep them healthy enough and keep them healthy and ready to go for uh, when things start really in, on March uh, 30th in Houston. And so in a, in a situation, obviously, with a team that has had so many injuries the past couple of years, you know, you, you want to be kind of as cautious as possible, but you also want to have these guys, you know, in, you know, like in the case with uh, Robert and Mankata, you know, those, those guys are representing Cuba, being, the, being among the first uh, Major League Baseball players to to represent uh, Cuba in the, in the World Baseball Classic. It's, it's an opportunity for them that um, they, they want to give those guys that chance, but at the same time, you want to make sure that they're healthy and they, they realize that job number one is uh, being ready for the White Sox come uh, March 30th against Houston. Talking to Lamont Pope, covers the White Sox for the Chicago Tribune. Lamont, we earlier in the show heard from Pedro Grafal, who unsolicited mentioned how Good Michael Clevenger looked in a bullpen session. Number one, was there any follow-up to what is the latest with the investigation and if Michael Clevenger even will be available to the White Sox? Or is this just an attempt to normalize the idea that, okay, he's here, he's pitching, until we hear otherwise he is the fifth starter? Because I think there are a lot of questions that that raised. Maybe it's just in my mind, but I just wonder what what went through yours. Yeah, I mean it's a situation where I mean they, it is. It's it's they're they're waiting just to sort of see what that next step is, and until that next step is taken, um, you know, one of the things that Pedro said on, during the uh, the first press conference as well is like, hey, you know, they they don't really have that contingency plan in place. You know, the, the contingency plan is uh, if if something pops up, then that's when they'll, they'll make that plan. As far as you know, making it public, I'm, I'm sure that they've they've talked about it and had discussions as far as uh, you know their depth is concerned, uh, but. Uh, right now, you know the, the the way that they're going about it is, you know, every fifth day, if, if he's available, he'll be out there on the mound, uh, starting for the Sox. And so, you know, he he did throw a live bullpen uh, the the other day, um, and, and as you said, you know, that, that was the first, you know, he was the first person that Pedro mentioned in that situation. And so, it's a it's definitely a situation where you know, Major League Baseball, you know, if it's a situation where we're all sort of just waiting to see what what's the next step for Major League Baseball and the White Sox. You know, from day one uh, when they had the opening press conference with Rick Hahn, he said uh, that they're going to be waiting and just seeing what Major League Baseball decides, and 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 they're just going to go about this from that perspective. And so, it's a lot of wait and see, and uh, and from from that standpoint, they just continue on, and he's continuing on to uh, to participate and and uh, ramp on up from that perspective to be ready for if if uh, if he has that opportunity to pitch. Uh, in that Houston series. Lamont Pope of the Tribune covering the White Sox and spring training, our guest on Inside the Clubhouse. Lamont, my concern is Michael Kopech. Uh, I, you know, there was just a subtle statement from uh, Pedro last week saying, uh, well, you know, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know if he's going to be starting uh, the season for us. We expect him maybe in the, in the second uh, week of 
of uh, the Major League season to be in our rotation. What's the latest on Michael Kopech coming back from uh, the meniscus surgery, uh, which was another one of those bizarre situations where us in the media didn't really know for sure there was a surgery going on until much, much later. Um, not saying the White Sox hit anything because it's not their job to tell us that a, a player had surgery. We all assumed something had to be done because he was playing on a, a bad knee last year. What's the latest on Kopech, and when do you expect him to be a part of the White Sox rotation? Yeah, yeah, Bruce. I mean, it's a situation we had a chance to talk to Michael uh, recently, and he, he expects to be ready uh, by by the, by that first series. You know, you, you mentioned what Pedro said. You know, Pedro more along the lines of saying that you know probably that uh, that home opening series against the the Giants will be the opportunity where uh, Michael will pitch. Um, and so, so I, I think everything is on track for him to be um, you know during that you know not during that Houston series, but it sounds like during that San Francisco series. Um, you know, with the with the knee, obviously, you know the, the, the season-ending uh, injury as well. Um, a situation where they're just sort of being cautious with him, ramping him up a little slowly, just making sure that you know they crossing all the uh, T's and dotting all the I's, and making sure that he's ready to go. But but he says that he's going to be ready uh, to go when the when he gets the ball there uh, for opening day, and so or well for when the season starts. And so you know it sounds like it's going to be a situation where it's going to be like San Francisco series more more likely. Um, but but it's a situation where yeah the the, the knee just kind of coming off of it. He 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 feels that he's going to be uh, good to go. So, Lamont, before we let you go, have you had a sit-down with Tim Anderson? How would you describe your relationship with him? Because you have covered this team now for a couple seasons, and I imagine you have thoughts on what was said during the week on the White Sox uh, podcast on NBCSportsChicago.com. Oh yeah, I have a really good uh, relationship with, with Tim. I mean, I, I think that you know he understands uh, that we have a job to do. You know, he has a job to do as well. Um, and so, no, I mean, you know, he's been one of the guys. Uh, from the the get go, that you know, I feel you know very comfortable going on up to and, and having a discussion and, and uh, having an interview with him, and so um, you know, it, for I think that uh, the overall vibe, not only from Tim but from uh, the guys in camp in general, has been uh, pretty pretty positive. I think it's been a situation where um, you know they've been pretty loose, even though I know that they understand that. Uh, you know, last year, um, you know, was a disappointing season. What uh, what Rick said the other day, he said it was an embarrassment. Um, and so they they realize that um, that they have to kind of regain uh, that trust, not only um, and show that they can uh, live up to those expectations, but also kind of live up to those uh, thoughts with the fans. And so, you know, when it comes to Tim, you know, uh, like I said, a very good working relationship with him uh, that I've had from the from the beginning, and and it's continued along uh, on a day to day basis as well. With uh, with Jose Abreu being gone, how noticeable is that clubhouse difference without everybody, um, a, a good majority of the players, a lot of the Latin American players, gathering around Pito and uh, the way that he kind of uh, was the uh, the point of you know destination for them on a daily basis during spring training and and really during the year. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, one of the questions that we had was who was going to step on up and be one of those, uh, you know, emerge as one of those team leaders. Uh, I think that that's where the you know, Elvis Andrews returning is going to help out as well. Here's someone who I remember once he arrived, uh, I think the first series was in Cleveland after after he signed with the team. Um, I remember walking into the clubhouse and you know he was sort of uh, holding court 
right off the bat. And so, so he felt he fit right in, right out, right from the jump. And uh, and him coming on back, you know, he, not only a calming influence in the clubhouse, as someone that can, you know, has that uh, leadership skill and that veteran presence, uh, but on the field as well. You know, I, I remember several times in which it just seemed like, you know, he would notice when a pitcher would need an extra breath. And so he would kind of walk on over to the mound uh, just for a quick breather and just sort of help the pitcher sort of reset. And so those are, those are, the, those are the type of things that can't be taught. And so when you have someone like that, uh, who has the experience that Elvis has? Uh, you know, it's someone that the that the ball club and kind of attitude t- towards, and and he's sort of been that guy that's helped on out from that standpoint. Lamont, thanks for your time. Enjoy the rest of spring training and uh, keep pulling on that string. <laughs> thanks, guys. Anytime. <laughs> All right, Lamont Pope from the Chicago Tribune wrote a good story on Dylan C. ChicagoTribune.com. Check that out as well. Dylan sees ready for bigger and better things in 2023, which would mean winning the Cy Young. That would be interesting. You know who else has high expectations for 2023? That's Aloy Jimenez. He is lighter. He thinks he's stronger. And we'll talk about what he expects next on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com and always live on the free Odyssey app presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Hey, Lloyd, um, this offseason, has your uh, conditioning program been any different than it has been in past years? Uh, I'm going to give you a surprise, so... I'm not going to answer right now. You're going to see me in spring training. Okay, that sounds mysterious. Uh, so you, you're going to come in a little bit uh, perhaps lighter. I mean, sometimes guys come in heavier. Sometimes they come in lighter. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be a surprise. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, that was Aloha Manners before reporting to spring training, Bruce, and he reported 25 to 30 pounds lighter after eliminating red meat from his diet. And clearly – doing something in the offseason that showed a commitment to conditioning, which I think on one hand people may worry about where's the power going to come from. I like it because I think it will help keep him healthier and on the field and avoid injury. Yeah, you know, I I think we heard over the past couple of years that he was reporting in the best shape of his career before this, you know. So from that perspective, you know, I, I get losing the weight and, and being ready, but um, I, I just think – um, this is a guy that unfortunately is an injury prone player. Uh, you want to call it unlucky or injury prone. If you go back to every year of his career in the minor leagues and in the major leagues, except for the, uh, 2020-60 game season, Eloy's been hurt. So from that perspective, making the DH makes a lot of sense. I think being in the best shape possible is also a great idea. You know, if he's avoiding red meat and hits uh, 14 home runs, I think the first thing you'll hear is that uh, they're going to put him back on, on a higher Go get a burger. Diet. Go get yeah. one of those burgers get- named after you somewhere in Chicago. Look, Bruce, I know the, the skepticism is understood. I, seeing is believing, though. He looks a little leaner. He looks a little fitter. He looks like he's in better shape, whether the numbers are exaggerated or not. I, I think that... 14 home runs, he's still going to drive the ball. I, I don't think you forget how to hit. The recovery time is what is going to be increased, and maybe the mobility will be as well. He just needs to look more athletic, and that's how you do it. You lose weight. You get you get fit. You get tone. You give me 140 games of Eloy, I'll give you 
37 home runs and 120 RBI, and everybody's happy. He's your number four hitter in the lineup, and he's your most essential run producer. Give me 140 games of Eloy Jimenez, and I will show you an all-star run producer. Yes, I agree with that. I just don't think he can stay healthy, or let's say this. Maybe he can now. He hasn't shown that ability, the biggest ability, availability, and that's where he has fallen most short. Man, I, I can't believe you laid that one on me. <laughs> Bruce, you've been doubting me all morning. I think it's time to wrap things up because I cannot be doubted any longer. You've destroyed and killed my confidence over the last two hours, but it's been fun. It's been a fun show, David. You've done a terrific job. We have people to thank, including uh, Lamont Pope from the Chicago Tribune covering the White Sox in Arizona, as well as Michael Fulmer of the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Sean Sears, great job producing the show. You can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine and on our website at 670thescore.com. I write Sox and Cubs all week long. Looking forward to the second week of spring training. And, David, games start today on the score, 155, with Alex Cohn and Ron Coomer on the call. Cubs, Giants, 155. Before that, Steve Rosenblum will have... Josh Nelson, Mark Grody, Mark Schanowski, and some other guy from North Jetson, Indiana, Evan Altman. Yes, stay tuned for that. Cubs baseball on the score after that. Thanks, Bruce. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.